uh, we are going to kind of hit pause on our series, The Many Colors of God's Faithfulness. We're going to wrap that up after Easter. And, uh, and we, for starting this week and for the next two weeks, are just going to spend time in this series that I've entitled, So Much More. Because here's what I believe, and I believe this strongly, that I believe that God has given us the opportunity to walk into a season where we will be able to see so much more of who God is. And I say season for a reason. Because I don't know about you, but I'm probably pretty sure that every one of you have a season that, that you favor over others, right? Um, I remember when, I, for those of you who don't know who may be new here, um, I grew up in Florida. I was born and raised in Florida. And so my favorite season of the year was winter. That was my favorite season of the year. Because in winter... For myself in Florida, this is, this is what I got to enjoy, a reprieve from the heat, of the humidity, cooler temps. I didn't have to mow the lawn as much growing up during the winter. It was a joy to be outside, like to feel like 60 to 70 degree temperatures, and if it got below 60, everybody busted out their winter coats, and Winter was my favorite time of the year. It was my favorite season. It's no longer my favorite season now, but it was when I was in Florida. And each of us have a favorite season. For those of us who, this isn't really the north. Some of you lived in the south today. Don't dare call us the north. But those of us who are north of Florida, maybe north of Georgia, we would say, well, winter's definitely not my favorite time of year. Um, if you lived further up north in the Midwest or the Northeast, probably most of you, your favorite time of year was spring. You love spring. Like everything that was dead in the winter, that was dreary in the winter, that was, that was depressing in the winter, now all of a sudden you begin to see the temperatures go away and it's not so frigid, it's not so cold, and you start to see buds on the trees. And, and it doesn't spring even smell different? Like the air even smells different. And seasons are important. Every season has a purpose. As much as we hate winter, it has a purpose. Because what we see as dying or being dead or being dormant is dormant for a reason. So that new life can come. Every season has a reason. I mean, we see that in... The Word of God in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Remember, uh, there's a time to plant and there's a time to pluck up what is planted. There's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. And I believe that God has graciously given us this season that we are going to walk into as a church and it, it will be a season of excitement. And we got to celebrate last week. I mean, Brian Daniels here standing up, cheering, clapping, one of our awesome setup team people they were definitely clapping the setup team and teardown teams were definitely clapping the loudest but this is a season of excitement in our church it's a season of opportunity and you're going to hear me say that a lot it's a season of opportunity to go after yes tangibly 
Yes, there'll be a certain amount of money that we will lay forth tonight and, or tomorrow night. And, and we could easily like, compartmentalize and say, well, this is a season that we need to raise X for this permanent facility, permanent presence for our church. But listen to me. Hear me on this. I believe that we are in a season that's so much larger than that. So much larger than a facility. So much larger than a tangible financial goal. So much larger than that. I believe there's a larger opportunity and a greater purpose that God has for us in this season of our church. And I believe it is so that we will experience so much more of who God is to you and to me. And to our marriages, and to our families, and to our community. That I believe this is an opportunity for us to see so much more of God's glory displayed in and through our lives. I believe that this is so much more of an opportunity for us to see so much more spiritual growth in our lives. In this season of opportunity. And so much more spiritual growth in our lives, which leads to so much spiritual growth in this local church body. Listen, I believe it's an opportunity for us to grow in our understanding and appreciation of the blessing of taking part in experiencing what generosity is to God's kingdom work. I believe it's so much more about that. It's so much more of understanding who God is to you and to me. And so when you came in these doors this morning, you got three things. Number one, you get the thing that you always get. You get something to take notes on, and I hope that you do that and you put that somewhere, you write in your Bible. Here's something else that you got. You got a bookmark. And let me explain what this is, because for the next three weeks, here's what we're going to do. We want to encourage you not just to come to church and to hear God's word as we encourage you with every week, but we want to encourage you during this season to walk through certain passages of Scripture with us as a church, that we would all be walking through the same Scriptures. And so on the back there, you see a reading plan. Now listen, now I know our ladies had an awesome event called Making Room, which was encouraging our ladies to get into God's Word on a consistent basis. So this isn't to trump what you already have. This is just an addition to it. And you'll see there on the back of this bookmark where the reading plan is laid out that there aren't many verses here. Because here's what I understand. Some of you have never cracked open God's Word and been consistent in it. So we're not going to ask you to jump in the deep end. But I think it's so important that if we're going to hear from God on what God wants to grow in us and what God wants to do through us in this season of opportunity in our church, then we believe and we teach this every week that God speaks through his word and he speaks when we pray. And so we as a church want to be collectively in God's word saying, God, where do you want me to see more of your glory? God, where do you desire me to grow more in my walk with you? God, where are you challenging me to take greater steps of faith in my understanding and appreciation and discipline of generosity to your kingdom work. And so we want to encourage you, this starts tomorrow. If you're in a life group that we've already talked to our life group leaders about, encouraging one another to be in this reading plan. And then here's something else we have. We have this journal. 
If you were here last week, I showed you a couple pictures from my journal and how God has been using that in my life. And here's why I want you to journal. Some of you have never journaled before, and it's just simply writing. Like, here's what I do. I write a date at the top, and I just write out, man, God, this is what you said to me in your word today, and this is what you're challenging me to, on how to apply it to my life. Because here's what I know. In our lives, there's such an importance of us setting up memorials to remember God's faithfulness, to remember what God has taught us. And I don't want us to waste this season of opportunity. Like I'm just picturing that a couple years from now that you're like cleaning out some stuff or, or maybe, you know, you have this in a special place and when you're doubting who God is, that God may direct your attention to this little book and you can pull out and say, man, you remember that back in 2018 when God allowed us to walk into that season to acquire facility, but how it was so much more than that. Let me just flip through these pages and let me see once again what God taught me in that season. That's what this is for. And so I want to encourage you to, to be engaged in that and to walk through that during this time. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number three. And we're going to look at two verses this morning. And the title of this message this morning is More glory that that's what we desire in this season that God has us in that God we want to experience so much more of your glory and so would you you should be there in verses 20 and 21 I'm going to read these two verses and then we're just going to walk through them together Paul says this Paul writing to the church at Ephesus he says now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, so much more than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to let you know what we're going to be doing during our last song of this service. You ready? I'm giving you plenty of notice. You know, we've been walking through the many colors of God's faithfulness, the story of Joseph. Now we're in this season of opportunity that God has placed us in. And so during the last song, we're going to give people the opportunity to come to this mic and to maybe read a verse or something that you're like, man, God has just used this verse in my life in this season that God has me in to just see so much more of his glory. Or to maybe share, man, this is something that God has done in my life that in this season that's allowed me to see so much more of his glory. So I'm just giving you heads up, all right? So when Greg gets up here at the end, you're not like, oh my goodness, I was caught off guard. I don't know what to say. you got plenty of time. So can you multitask? Can you think about that and listen to me? Listen to God's word? I hope so. You know, when I look at this passage of Scripture and I think about experiencing so much more of God's glory, I think we need to define what God's glory is. And that's such a hard thing. Like, how do you define God's glory? And here what I feel is, is the best definition to try to get us to understand what that term means. And here it is. It's not on the screen, so listen. It's the holiness and perfection of God on display. It's the perfection or the holiness of God 
put on display. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning as we walk through these two verses. It's this thought, this idea that God can and God will accomplish so much more glory in and through you. That that's God's desire today. That God's God's desire in this season that we are embarking on. That that's God's desire for you every day that you live until you take your last breath and you're with God in the flesh in heaven for all of eternity. For us to understand that God can and God will accomplish so much more glory in and through your life. And what I want to do this morning is just simply give you three realities about God from these two verses that make this statement true for you. That make this statement true for me. And here's the first one. Number one, look at what it says at the beginning of verse 20. Everyone out loud, read those first three words in verse 20. Come on, with me. Now to him. Say it again. Now to him. And here's the first reality about God that makes us believe that God can and will accomplish so much more glory in and through your life. Number one, God accomplishes so much more glory by his own ability. By his own ability. You ever have someone in your life that is taking credit for something that you've done? Anybody? Go ahead, raise your hand. Anybody? Like, maybe someone in this room, but they don't know that you're thinking of them. (laughs) I mean, I remember working at a church, and I'm not going to obviously say which church that was, but I remember working at a church, and we would have these meetings, and, and... and I would mention some things that I believe we thought needed to be done, and there would always be healthy discussion on whether or not that would be true. And then it was amazing how often I would literally hear a person say that idea and claim it as their own, even though they disagreed with me in the meeting. That was a very sanctifying thing for me. And I remember thinking to myself, really? Really? Like, I remember just saying that in a meeting, and you disagreed with me, and now you're touting it as your own idea. Listen, God was working something in me of humility, which is an ongoing process for me every day. And don't look at me like you're not that person as well. But don't we hate that? Like, there's something that rises up inside of us that says, listen, you're claiming that as something that you've done when I know clearly you haven't done that. And praise God that God is perfect and holy and it's not threatened by us when we do that but how often do we do that with God that we claim and take credit for what we failed to realize is what God did and I love how Paul starts off these two amazing verses this doxology of who God is and he starts off by saying now to him because listen to me i believe one of the main things that keeps me that prevents me 
from seeing and experiencing so much more of God's glory is when I turn from understanding that everything in life is now to him and I get caught into thinking that it's that that verse says now to me now to me See, some of us are living lives right now, though we would not want to admit it, and we're living our lives with those three words saying, now to me. Now to me who's able to do. Now to me who's able to accomplish that. Now to me who's able to do that in my own strength. Now to me who has, who has thought of this or thought of that or accomplished this or accomplished that. And nothing will rob us from experiencing so much more of God's glory than thinking that life is now to me rather than now to him. And so what I want to answer when we think of this first reality about God, that God will accomplish so much more glory by his own abilities, we got to ask the question, why? Why is that the case? And I believe we answer that question why when we bring ourselves back to realize, wait a minute, let's all go, let's go back to the gospel. He is the only one who is able to save. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. I can't save someone else. But God is the only one who's able to save. Psalm 115.1 says this, not to us. A little bit different than Ephesians 3.20, same idea. Not to us. Oh Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Why? For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. You know, if you jump up to verses 14 through 19 of Ephesians 3, you see the context by which Paul writes this doxology in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And what he's doing there is he's praying for the church at Ephesus that they would understand And have the strength to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. That they would be rooted in that reality of who God is and how much he loves them and what he's done for them. And he's saying, this is my prayer for you. That you would understand and grow in understanding that God is the only one to save That he's truly the only one who could love you with that sacrificial love to save you from your sins. And then what does he do? He says, now to him. See, the reason why I can believe that God will accomplish so much more glory by his own ability is I bring myself back to the reality. Wait a minute, he's the only one that could have saved me. It's not now to me, it's now to him. My whole life is now to him. And if I understand that God's the one by his own ability who's accomplished so much more glory, then what's my responsibility in that? And you know it's one thing. You want to know what it is? It's this, obedience. That's my response. That's my responsibility is obedience. And it's an obedience fueled by a growing understanding of the glory of God in my life. So that I understand that my life is not now to me, but my life is all about pointing other people to him. This church is not about me, and it's not about you. This church is about pointing people to Jesus Christ. This pulpit 
is not about me or any other person that stands behind it. But this pulpit is about pointing people to him, to God, to the glory of God and who he is. This facility and process that we're about to walk in is not about me and it's not about you and it's not about a building. It's about pointing people to God. Because God desires to accomplish so much more glory, not by your ability, not by my ability, but by His ability. Now to Him. Here's the second thing. Look at what else it says. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly, so much more than all we ask or think. Here's the second thing. God accomplishes so much more glory than you could possibly imagine. That God will accomplish so much more glory than you or I could possibly imagine. I mean, that's what it says. That word translated abundantly means infinitely more. More than you can count. More than you can comprehend. More than you can fathom. That's the idea of abundantly. And then there's that word do, which is an interesting word. It actually means this, to make to cause, to affect, to bring about, to accomplish, to perform, to provide, to create. You know what that word do reminds me of? And we've said this throughout our series in the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50. That God is a worker. That's what that reminds me of. Now to him, God, it's by your own ability that you accomplish so much more glory. But the work that you do will accomplish so much more glory than I could possibly ever imagine. God, you're a worker. You're someone who never stops working. You never take a break. You, you never are asleep. You, you never are busy, too busy to hear from me. But he's able to do. And how often do we put human limitations and restrictions on what God can do because we're thinking about what we can't. You ever find that true? God, there's no way that you can do this. No, no, no. Too far gone, no way. God, there's no way that you can restore this relationship. No way, too far gone. God, there's no way that you can provide for this. No way. Too far gone. And you know why oftentimes I think that in my own life? is because I'm putting my human limitations and restrictions on who God is. And what I love is this verse blows that away. Because it's now to Him. It's not now to me. It's now to Him who's able to do And here's the phrase that we really need to be saying. God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't, but you can. And so often, this is what we say. God, I can't, therefore you can't. And if you need a verse in your repertoire, in your mind, to combat that thought that's not from God but from the enemy, it's this verse right here. Because God accomplishes so much more glory than we could possibly imagine. And I believe one of the greatest ways that we minimize what God can do is by the way that we pray. 
by the way that you pray, by the way that I pray. And I found in my life that that's one of the greatest ways that I so often minimize what God can do and putting restrictions and limitations on him. Ask yourself this, when's the last time I prayed for God to use my life to impact his kingdom in ways that are so much bigger than I could imagine? When's the last time you prayed that? When's the last time you took out your journal or wrote in your Bible and you said, God, would you allow me to impact your kingdom in a way that's so much bigger than I could ever imagine? When's the last time we wrote that? When's the last time we prayed that? Because I know so often in my life when I start looking at the list, and remember, I'm the one that encouraged you. Man, when you're alone with God, pray out loud, get on your knees with a list, cry out to Him. And I've found sometimes when I'm writing my list that my list involves what will take place in the next 24 hours in the next seven days. And how I so easily get caught up in not asking God to do something that's so much bigger than I could ever imagine. You know, I believe we're all tempted. And some of us, oftentimes, including myself, fall into this trap of putting God in a box. And some of us this morning, this is about how big our box is of God, where God lives. He's someone that we can carry around with us, and He lives inside of our little box, in our minds. And this is where we have God. Just enough so that when we're really in a pinch, we can pull Him out and hopefully He will come through. And in our minds, though this is not who God is, God is, does not fit in our box, but in our minds, we have a box that's about this size and this is what we believe that God can do. And maybe that's you today. And then there's other, others of us that have put God in this box. And God, by His grace and His mercy to you, has blown away those boundaries, those limitations that you have placed on God. And so you've seen God come through and you've seen God work miraculously and you've seen this verse come true in your life. So now God's in this box. Oh man, we moved. God's no longer in our little box. Now we have a different box. And now something new has come our way and, and something bigger has come our way. And we're like, man, God, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can do this. I don't, I don't believe that you can do this. And, and why? Because we've continued to put God in a box. He's just in a bit, little bit bigger box than we had before. And maybe that's been true of you. And I know it's been true of me. And God in His mercy and in His grace and in His loving kindness and in His faithfulness in spite of my unfaithfulness blows away the doors off of this box and shows me that God is so much bigger than the box that I put Him in. And so now today, God's in this box. Oh, it's a bigger box than, 
than the box that I had him in at one time in my life when he blew the doors off of that and showed me how great he was. And it's a bigger box than maybe I put him in a year ago when I saw God do those things that I never thought he would do. And so now I walk around with this box and I may even judge people because my box is bigger than their box. Can't believe you have that box. Don't you realize how big God is? You challenge someone in your life group, man, you need to have faith and believe that God can do that because I've seen him do that. But what we fail to realize and be honest with ourselves, we still have a box. It's just a little bit bigger than the box that we had before. And maybe this is true of you and in your life. Man, it's been awesome. You saw God restore your marriage when it was in a dark, dark place. And if you were honest, you thought to yourself, God, I don't know how I'm ever going to see you restore this relationship. And you saw God do it, and he blew away the doors off of this box. But now have we gotten a bigger box? Oh, this is a heavy duty, extra large box and some of us right now are walking away and have walked in here today believing that God can do great things and you may even have greater faith if you were going to compare it than someone else that is sitting beside you or someone else that is sitting in this room and that's why that's such a danger to compare ourselves to others because we can say man look at how big my faith is God's not in that box. God's not in this box. God's not in this box. But in reality, if you're honest with yourself, God's still in a box. And when I look at this passage of Scripture, when it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, what that tells me is God can't fit in your box. Don't put them in a box because you're thinking about what you can't. Therefore, putting your restrictions on a God who doesn't know the word can't. And I believe us understanding and growing in our understanding that God desires to do so much allow us to see so much more glory than we could possibly ever imagine that what keeps us believing that is a conviction of God's ability to do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine that allows us that God in His grace and mercy, even though we can't fit in a box, He even allows us in our sanctification to move from one box to another to another and say, that's okay. Not in a permissive way. But you want to put me in that box even though you're sinning and not believing me to do more than that? Here's what I'm going to do in my grace and mercy. I'm going to blow the doors off of that box. And I'm going to cause you in my mercy and grace and you as my child to stretch you in such a way through the circumstances of life and through the opportunities that I will present in front of you so that you can see I don't fit in a box. And that's the opportunity that we will have. We're going to walk into a building tonight. We're going to walk into an arts council building tonight, and the financial need is going to be laid out before us. And you're going to be tempted to think, 
can't. God can't. But that's such an awesome place to be. To be in a season to where God wants to blow out of your box. And God wants you to see so much more of his glory than you could ever imagine possible. You know, another passage of Scripture that I think fits so well into this is 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 2 through 7. Like, you ought to just write that reference right next to Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. It's on the screen because I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to read this because I think this is such an awesome illustration that God can't be put in a box. And an awesome illustration of what God oftentimes does to stretch us to realize that in a greater way. It's that classic passage of Scripture, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, about Elisha and the widow with the oil. How many of you are familiar with that story? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. It says, your servant, this is, this is the widow speaking to Elisha. She says, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Like, like she's down to her last legs. She's, she's preparing that she's going to die with her son because they're starving. She's not married. In fact, her husband was one of Elisha's students. And look at what Elisha says. Then he said, go outside and borrow vessels from all your neighbors. Empty vessels and not too few. I love that phrase. So Elisha says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to knock on the doors of your neighbor's houses and I want you to ask them for jars. Is that exciting to anyone? Can you imagine being told that? I have nothing. And Elisha's like, okay, so you're going to go to every door and ask them to borrow a jar. Some of you won't even go to the neighbor and ask for a cup of sugar. Because it would freak you out. But Elisha asked her to do something that was hard and that had to humble herself. And look at verse 4. And then he said, then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. But it's interesting that, that Elisha says to her, okay, go and knock on doors. And I know that's going to be uncomfortable for you. And I know that's probably going to cause you to have to humble yourself a bit. But make sure that you just don't grab a couple. Make sure that you don't grab too few. Make sure that you don't limit what God can do. And what I find interesting when I look at these verses is this idea that God will always ask us to do something difficult, not knowing how it's going to turn out on the other side in order to prove to us what he can do. That I've found in my life that God always does that. He, ne he never seems to say, Johnny, here's something easy for you to do to step out in faith. You don't know how many times I wish that was true. But it's not. That God always asks us to do something difficult, not necessarily knowing how it will turn out in order to prove to us what he can do. Look at what it says in verse 8, or verse 5. It says, So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons, and as she poured, 
They brought the vessels to her. So she's sitting there pouring the oil. And one's about to be full. And so the sons bring another jar for her to fill. And it says in verse 6, When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another, Mom. Can you imagine? I'm just picturing in my mind this room, and I don't know how big it is, but just loaded with vessels, filled to the brim. And she's like, oh, another one's about to overflow. Bring me another vessel. And they're like, we have absolutely no more vessels. We've knocked on every single door. The room's full, mom, of vessels. Look what happens. And the oil stopped flowing. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Listen to me. God always has something bigger and greater for you than you even asked for. And oftentimes it's even different than what you asked for. And there's often times where you don't even understand in the moment why God is giving you something different than you asked for. But the reason is, is so that you will realize that we serve a God who will accomplish so much more glory than you could ever imagine. And there's so much more that we're talking about today and we'll talk about next week and we'll talk about the week after that. There's so much more is only realized in our lives. There's so much more about who God is and His glory and His growth and our generosity is only realized when we exercise the faith to believe in what God can do and embracing what we can't do. And here's the third thing. God accomplishes so much more glory by His power working in and through you. Isn't that what it says? Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What I love is God gives us the privilege to go to work with him. Remember, God accomplishes glory by his own ability. He doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. But he gives us the opportunity to go to work with him, to be used by him. And he desires to use you. Believe this. Some of you are doubting this because of your past or whatever you've done in the past that God wants to use you to accomplish what only he can do. I love the study notes in the Gospel Transformation Bible. I have one of these in my office and this is what the study notes say about this passage of Scripture. It says, The reason we doubt God's ability to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think is that we grossly underestimate the power at work within us. We do not have a little 9-volt battery of spiritual power inside of us, but an entire nuclear power plant of divine might. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now indwells us by His presence and Spirit. We ought to anticipate and request that God will overcome big sins, change bad habits, make us into better followers of Christ. As long as he desires to get glory through the church and in Christ Jesus, we can be sure that God in ways that are surprising and at times imperceptible will magnificently exceed our expectations to his everlasting honor and everlasting joy. 
And the way that I experience that is simply by obedience, trusting, exercising faith, saying, God, I'm not going to put you in a box. That I'm going to believe you're so much greater than what I can do or who I am. And what's the end result and aim of God accomplishing so much more? It's found in verse 21. Look at what it says. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's the end result. Here's the aim that God desires as he accomplishes so much more is that his glory is put on display. That's the greatest desire for your life. That's his greatest desire for my life. That's his greatest desire for this church, in this city, in this state, in this nation, and in this world, is that we would be a people that would put God's glory on display. You know, we get one pass at life. No do-overs. Can't hit reset on the game of life and say, let's do it again. We get one pass at life. That's all. Only one. And what I've found is that anybody that I've seen on their deathbed or knowing that they don't have many years or days left to live, I've never seen someone say, I regret going hard after God's glory in my life. Never. I've seen a lot the other way. But I've never seen that. So what are we going to believe this morning? What are we going to believe when we go in, as we go into this season of opportunity that God has placed before our church? What are we going to believe? We're going to keep God in our boxes? We're going to say, God... You live in here, you live in here, you live in here, you live in here. Are we going to keep God in our boxes or are we going to posture ourselves in a way that believes in faith and acts out of obedience to what the Lord desires us to experience of Him in this season of our church? That's what God wants. For us to believe that God can and God will accomplish so much much more glory by his own ability.